How many of you have ever had dirty hands? Yeah. Yeah, it's just something that's natural with me. Uh, my hands get dirty. My, when I was a child, my mom was always telling me, wash my hands. Uh, when I was a teenager, uh, we had a, a family boat, and we were, my brother and I, in our neighborhood, we were known as nitro and glycerin. <laughs> but our, our family had this uh, speedboat, and we would just race anybody up and down the lake. Whoever would challenge us, we were up to it. And uh, we did everything we could to make that boat go as fast as it could possibly go. And uh, we, we wore it out, and we were in a race with another boat, and all of a sudden we heard this boom. And uh, the boat just stopped right there. We had thrown a rod. The engine had blown up. And so we had to be towed back to our dock. I can't explain to you the humiliation to be towed back to your own dock and to have your father on the dock greeting you. <laughs> he commenced to teach us how to rebuild. It took us a couple of weeks to get the parts and we rebuilt that, that engine and uh, it was amazing the lessons that, that he taught us. But our hands got very, very dirty. I mean, they were filthy, and they felt awfully slippery with all the grease and the grime that was on them. So I, uh, I was kind of proud that I had helped my dad and taught, all, taught us all these lessons, and I went into the house, and Mom was there as the inspector general, and she saw these filthy hands, and she she said, you go right back out to that garage and you have your father help you clean your hands. And he had, uh, well, I, some of you may not realize this, but there was uh, back then a tremendous commercial that was on TV. And there was this special cleanser that even the most filthy of hands could, could get clean. And, and uh, they'd have this man with the just black hands. And he would, uh, he would say, there's only one kind of soap that can get this clean, mister. And that's lava. Thank you. Lava soap. And uh, what lava, for some of you don't realize, is just simply sand with suds in it. <laughs> and, and it cleaned it right up. Now, you millennials have no idea what I just said, but trust me, it, it was out there and it did work. Filthy hands are some things that you just can't get away. How many of you pump your own gas? They have proven one of the filthiest things on earth is a gas station handle on the pump. So now that I know who you are, <laughs> I'll just nod as you go out the door today. Filthy hands. Even Shakespeare spoke about filthy hands. 
blood-stained hands. Turn with me to Ezekiel, if you would, because there we find a reference to this, this stain, these, these hands, and how they can be marred, covered. In Ezekiel, chapter 3, Ezekiel's a marvelous book, prophetical book, and, and God selects this one man, Ezekiel, to be his messenger. And as he is selected and chosen as that messenger, he, he has this burden for the people of Israel. It's interesting that God does have a burden for sinners. No matter where you turn, Old Testament, New Testament, God is always burdened for those that have rebelled. And he's always providing something. And, and here we find it in Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 17, first of all, and then the following two verses after. Ezekiel 3, verse 17. Son of man, I have made thee a watchman. Isn't that interesting that here is this prophet, God has selected him, and he says, now I want you to be a watchman. A watchman. That's a certain task. That's a certain job uh, description. And he wanted Ezekiel to be watching. Watching. Watching for those souls, people, by the way, do you ever realize the, the people you see on, on the highway, the people you see at the mall, the people you see gathered wherever? They're people, but each one has a soul. In fact, the airlines counts people by the number of souls. On board were 120 souls. Isn't that interesting? And God is interested in every soul. And so here in Ezekiel, he is setting a biblical picture of who he is and what he desires. And so he says to Ezekiel, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hearken thou uh, excuse me, therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. He is to be a watchman and he is to be warning. That's the task. There, there are those out there that need help. There are those that are going the wrong way. There are those that are in serious trouble. And to be a watchman, watching and warning. Now, go to verse 18, and that kind of helps us with a further de developing of, of this burden that our God has. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked of his wicked ways, to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his 
blood will I require at thine hand. If Ezekiel fails, if Ezekiel chooses not to warn the souls that pass by from the house of Israel, if, if he chooses simply to keep his mouth shut and to go another way, there, there is a consequence there. He has missed the requirement. He, he has set aside that which God has directed him. And there is a consequence. Uh, and he is saying to Ezekiel, I'm going to charge you with his blood. And it will be on your hands. What a terrible thing that is to realize I've failed. I, I didn't do what God wanted me to do. And Ezekiel had this to stare at and to contemplate. But then it goes on and it says this. In verse 19 he says, Yet if thou warn the wicked and he turn not from his wickedness nor from his wicked way he shall die in his iniquity but thou hast delivered thy soul you fulfilled the re re requirement you, you've done what I've asked you to do and you shall be very much in my favor. This is what God has from long time past since man fell into sin in Genesis. A burden to be able to see. He, he prophesies that there would be a redeemer. And as he's working each day and each month and each year he's working with those that fail. He's working with those that are sinners. And it comes to develop what I see here in Ezekiel. We see kind of a reinforcement in the New Testament. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. In Matthew chapter 28, we come to what is called the Great Commission. And this section kind of tells us there's a responsibility to respond. We who are called out, we who are born again, who belong to our God, like Ezekiel was selected, he selects us. Watch what happens here in this responsibility to respond. Matthew chapter 28, I direct you to Verse 18, first of all, because there's the authority. The authority is echoed in, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He, he has accomplished that which had to be accomplished. The Son of God came down from heaven. He was born in a manger. 
He, for 30, 33 years, walked in this world, yet being tempted in all ways like we are, yet without sin, he went to that cross and he gave his life, as we were reminded of in the Lord's table. He gave his life and he was buried. And then he arose from the grave. Hallelujah. And in that very precious thing, that all of time before and all of time after focuses on what Jesus did. And so he says now, all power is given unto me in heaven. And in earth. Now, now listen, we, we sometimes read over that. We, we just kind of glimpse at it. And we, and we don't let it grab us as to the power that God, the, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, is possessed and is. He is all power in heaven and in earth. Because of verse 18, then he gives us the next verse, which says, Go ye. You know, that's a command. That's not some kind of an option. That's not if you're feeling good today. You realize that? And, and, and he said, that is an action verb. Go. Now, in the King James, it's, Y E, ye. Uh, that's plural of usens. Usens. If you know Christ as your Savior, you're a part of that Y E, that, that ye, you plural. And he's telling all of us to go, not just pastor. Not just the deacons. All of us are included in that go ye. We are the recipients of that command. And so he says, go ye therefore. Therefore is because I have all power in heaven. And all power here on earth. Because I have that, I want you and you and you and you to go. Go, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Then he goes on to say, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you. I love that. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So be it, this is truth. I am with you. Now, can you understand this? The Great Commission tells us that we are to be going and we're to be teaching and we're to be 
passing on everything that's been commanded to us, and we're not going to be doing it by ourselves. Jesus is going to be with us. I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now, I'll confess, we're getting close to the end. But it's not here yet. It'd be nice, maybe later today, when we get in the car, and Jeff and I travel down uh, to York. By the way, I, I hope you'll all help yourself to my business cards that are out there in the basket. Uh, when we moved from Wellsboro to York, there was so much confusion. Where did the state rep go? And the best thing I came up with is to, I found them in a candy section. They were called York Peppermint Patties. <laughs> Made sense to me. Now everybody knows where the state rep is. He's in York. So take some of my business cards. Some of the young people already have several in their pockets, but help yourself to what's left. There is this going, all of us, that is necessary, and that is all of us that ought to be a part of it. And, and so there is this command, there is this responsibility to respond. That's first, that, that, that's an absolute respond to what God has told us to do. Now the issue is, as we have been told to respond, some of us haven't done it. And, and others don't do a lot of it. But understand, God's desire is for us to be a watchman, watching and warning. All those souls you see, there's going to be some that God will send your way. And as wicked as they may be in their wickedness, they need the gospel. All right, just to help us and understand how he's equipped us, now turn to the book of Acts. This is, this is a really neat... I, I always come back here for reinforcement when I get kind of shaky. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the power verse of the New Testament. He says, but ye shall, by the way, there's that ye again. How many of you raised your hands that you know Christ as your Savior? Some of you aren't sure yet, are you? Yeah, ye, that's you. And ye shall receive power. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be What's that word? Witnesses unto me. That's being a watchman. Witnesses unto me. Now he says here unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. He said, go ye, in Matthew, in Acts 1.8, he says, I want you to be witnesses. 
Now, I didn't check with Pastor Ryan. I don't know how far Jerusalem is from Hazleton. Maybe, what, 12 hours flight? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's an impossibility for us to go to Jerusalem and be witnesses without getting on an airplane or a bus going to D.C. first and then But it does mean where you're at. When he was writing this, it was meaning right there where you are, in Jerusalem. Now whether you realize it or not, Hazleton is a Jerusalem. That's where you live. Whether it's up on some of the hills or down in the lower parts, this is your Jerusalem. He wants you to be going, he wants you to be witnessing, and he wants you to be sharing with those that are lost, wicked, doing their wicked ways. And God says they will surely die in their iniquity. And so he, he equips us with the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And then he says, go to Jerusalem. And then he says, and to all Judea. That's easy for us who are in Pennsylvania. That's the Commonwealth of PA. And that's easy because the PRBC has just under 100 churches all over this state. Burden to share and spread the word. Jesus saves. And, and so the instruction is there. And to all Judea. Then he says, Samaria. See it? Do you realize what Samaria was to the average Jew? Yeah. They detested them. They, they resented them. They, they had no room to be around Samaria. It was ironic that God used the Good Samaritan to do such a loving and godly thing. And others had passed by. Now Samaria was a place that if you wanted to go to as a Jew, you had no desire. If there was another place beyond Samaria, you'd go around it, wouldn't you? Now, I can identify with that. I, I, anybody from Ohio here? I apologize for what I'm going to say. Back in 2005, Judy and I had packed the car to the gills, and we were headed out to Michigan. Uh, I have many relatives in Michigan, and we were going to be there for uh, a wedding. I was to... Uh, have the service for my niece and her fiance, both had accepted Christ as Savior. And uh, then we were going to go on to a Bible conference in Indiana. And uh, it had been tiring. I had volunteered to help landscape the uh, Marsh Creek Fellowship Baptist Church in Wellsboro. Uh, and it was an exhausting thing trying to get everything together before I had to leave with a lot of help from other people. Got in the car, drove to Oil City, 
We have some dear friends there in Oil City, yes. <laughs> Mrs. Day knows well. And in, in Oil City, we uh, stayed with some dear friends. And that night, there was a pastor nearby, a young pastor and his wife that were struggling, and I uh, met them and counseled with them for a couple of hours. So when I got to bed, I, I was exhausted. Got up the next morning, determined to get to Michigan, and to get to Michigan from Pennsylvania, usually you travel through, I can't even say the word. Ohio. And we got into Ohio, and there had been some rain. Uh, it had let up, just a drizzle. But then we got closer to uh, Cleveland, and it was just pouring. reason I knew that, because the wipers were doing a hard job just keeping the windshield. And I could tell because all of the cars in front of me had vapor barriers. You know how the tires just throw up the spray? Oh, it, we had evidently just run right into this, this area. And in that section, we came upon a curve. You know how many curves are in Ohio? Very, very few. And one of them was where I, uh, all of a sudden, lost control of the car. And I was sitting there as the car spun around. I was being able to panoram the entire Interstate 80 with all the cars and trucks just spinning around. And I cried out to Judy. And she had been asleep. Can you imagine the shock as she woke up? And the whole world was turning in front of her eyes. Nobody hit us. No truck came close, no car. I can't imagine. I wish I could have seen inside the windshields to see there you know, the look that was there. The inertia pushes to the uh, berm, and uh, we were going with traffic about 60, 65 miles an hour, and, and eventually we, s do you know how many boulders there are in Ohio? We found it. <laughs> and we, we pushed it about 30 feet, the state trooper said, and then the inertia brought the car up in and down on to the boulder, and it pushed up into the uh, cabin where Judy sat and struck her on the head. And uh, we were pinned there, hanging upside down. And I, I thought, this is it. We're going home. And we had discussed in years past, and she would say, honey, when God calls me home, don't forget to do this, and don't forget that, and don't forget. It was like it was a honeydew list even after she was in glory. And I would say, now wait a minute, I'm older. Three months. Older, so God will probably call me home first, so don't you forget, and don't for you. And here we are, hanging upside down in our seatbelts, and I says, isn't this something? God's settling that dispute. We're going together. And there we were, and there was smoke entering the cabin. And I thought, boy, we're just going to burn right up. And about that time, I could see feet, all kinds of feet running 
uh, to the car. There were truck drivers and everybody had pulled over to see if they couldn't help us. And uh, they got me out. The, the only, I had a little scratch on my elbow, that was all. But Judy was very seriously hurt, injured. They life flighted her to Cleveland. They took me to some other wilderness place, I don't know where, but it took me an hour to get to the hospital by cab. It cost me almost $100. And, and the cabbie wanted a tip. I paid $100 to you and you want a tip on top of that? Now if any of you drive cab, I apologize. But I told them, my tip is this, stay out of rain or you get wet. Anyway, I got sidetracked. Anyway, in Ohio, I, that's, that's one. I had another accident where a truck moved from the right lane to the center lane, pushed me from the center lane to the, out, uh, the left lane into a pool of water. And our car became a submarine. And I hit the bar barrier wall and uh, we, it was terrible. You know what Samaria is to me? Ohio! To this very day, I, I used to go from uh, Wellsboro up to Buffalo across uh, Canada and back in at Port Huron and, and down in the Detroit area. Uh, then we had declaration of war against terrorism and I'm, I'm fearful of the border shutting down. So I, that's why I've been going through that, that place. And so, I now, when I have to go to Michigan, I go down to Alabama and then across and up to Nebraska and I come down the other way. I'm almost like a Jew. I detest going there. God is saying, I want you to go even to places you don't want to go. You hear me? I want you to go to Samaria, wherever that Samaria is in your life. Now, I don't know all of the area in Hazleton, but I have a hankering that there are some Samarian areas that some of you may not want to go. But the one who says, I have all power in heaven and in earth, Go ye. It's even places we don't want to go. And he says more than that. Because he comes back and he says, not just Jerusalem and not just in all Judea and in Samaria, but unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And there may be some that are in this auditorium, that God is tapping you on the shoulder and saying, I need you. I need you to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. It's a very special summons. It's a very unique process, but God directs in hearts and we need to be open and available to his directing in our lives. 
Oh, that's just for young couples. No, it isn't. If you're alive and breathing, by the way, can I see the hands of those of you that are alive and breathing? And there, there were a few there I was wondering about, but that settles it. The idea is we are to be available and to go. Now, that's what I call the receiving. There's a responding, there's a receiving, and then we come to this third area, and that's the requiring. Stay in the book of Acts, but now turn, if you would, to chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 and verse 31. Acts 20 and verse 31 says this. Therefore, what does he say? Watch. Now this is Paul. Luke wrote the first part of Acts. Paul wrote the last part. And here is a testimony where he is saying, watch. I want you to be a watchman. Now, who is he talking to? Just one individual like Ezekiel? No, he's talking to all of us to be watching. Watch. And then he says this. And remember, by the way, that's recalling as he testifies, as Brother uh, was testifying earlier, that remember what I did. Here it comes. This is Paul saying, I did this. Remember what I did. And then he, he elaborates and he says, and remember that by the space of three years while he was there, all that time, by the space of three years, I ceased not to warn. Watch and warn. Did we hear that somewhere in Ezekiel? Watch, warn. Do you realize that is the heart burden of God? Since man has rebelled and fallen into sin, God has been wanting those that are wicked, doing wickedness, to be saved. And here it is. In Acts, Paul is testifying that he watched and he warned. But then it says, I warned everyone. And, and then it says, night and day. In our culture, in our Christian culture today, we get comfortable with simply having a visitation or a calling time a certain part of the week or a certain part of the month, and we feel content we have satisfied what God has burdened about. I'm here to suggest to you that we have gone soft. We have drifted from what God desires, as Paul demonstrated, we are to be witnessing, watching and warning day and night. 
when we can in the daytime and when we can in the evening time, we ought to be out sharing, making opportunities somehow to share the gospel with sinners that are destined to damnation in hell. And then he says this, day and night with tears. I really believe that we who are born again and living in this part of the church age, the age of grace, I really believe we have become calloused. We don't weep a whole lot anymore. Oh, some of us, when we see a movie on TV or something, we'll, we'll weep. But we don't weep about things. I mean, there are, in our own commonwealth, our own Judea, last week, for the entire week, it was just under a hundred, a hundred souls that were murdered in PA out of abortion. We don't weep about that anymore. Some students get executed in a school somewhere and we all, oh my, but those who are in a womb and are slaughtered, we don't even think about it anymore. We have become a calloused Christian society. When was the last time you wept? Wept for a soul. Whether it's a loved one, relative, whether a dear friend, a neighbor, fellow worker, a schoolmate. When was the last time we were so burdened that one would come to that point of salvation, reaching out and receiving that gift from God, that we were consumed with tears? He who goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall what? Yes. I really believe we need to examine our hearts, folks. We need to be more tender. As Pastor was sharing some of the opportunities, we as a church, we as believers, we are who are in this Jerusalem. We need to be very tenderized and burdened for souls. And we're not. Very quickly, may I close with this. Some would ask, what would Paul warn them with? What did Paul say? On those three years without ceasing, day and night, to everyone, what, what, would, what did he say? What did... Turn with me to Romans very quick. Mark this down, because this is a part of what Paul warned them with. As a watchman in the New Testament, watching and warning, he brought this to a reality. Romans 3, verse 23, we, many of us say it, 
All have sinned and fallen short. This idea of have sinned and come short of the glory of God is a necessity. Everyone is wicked. Everyone is doing things in their wickedness. That condemns us. And then I know he came quickly to the thought of Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Man is going to die in his wickedness. But God has set forth Ezekiel in the Old Testament to warn the house of Israel and you and me in the New Testament in the age of grace, the church age, to be watchmen, watching and warning. And we are to be able to share with them the sinfulness of man and the loving, loving forgiveness of God. It's a gift. We can't work for it. There are churches and religions that are doing all they can to work for it. They'll fast. They'll deny. They'll take prayer, prayer devices and do repetitious prayers, vainly so, trying and trying and trying, and it will not get them. It will not move them one inch closer to heaven because it's a gift that God gives as soon as you start working for something, as soon as you start trying to pay for something, it stops being a gift. This is what God has given. He gave his son, Jesus. And it's through Jesus that we have this. Romans 5, I know this is a part of what he said. Paul was burdened as a watchman, and Romans 5, 8 was there. But God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, we hadn't even gotten close to being holy. <laughs> we hadn't even come near being perfected. Yet while we were sinners. This is so crucial. We have Christ who died for us. John 3.16, pastor referred to it earlier. God so loved the, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's a gift. Paul was sharing that message as he warned. It's so simple. We don't have to have some kind of a degree to go forth proclaiming it as a watchman, a witness. And then I know he brought into the scope of Romans 10.9. Mark this. Romans 10.9. Paul shared this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus... And shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt 
be saved. Amen. I was a Roman Catholic. I was studying for the priesthood. God convicted me, brought me to hearing of the word by an old evangelist, Oliver B. Green from Greenville, South Carolina. I heard him on a radio. I was out in Oregon. And that became a reality. If you believe in Christ, if you realize that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And, and then he wound this up. I, I, you know, Paul, he was, well, he was a dynamo. I'm sure he concluded with Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Mark it. This was a part of the warning. He said, there is therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Did you catch that? No condemnation. I'm, I'm still struggling, testimony today, of the fact that we struggle. I don't know if Pastor Day struggles so much. But then if you talk to Mrs. Day, you would find out better. <laughs> we all struggle. The marvelous thing is the blood shed on the cross at Calvary has washed. Without the shedding of that blood, there, there is no remission of sin. But that gift is there. Paul was a watchman. God desires you and me to be a watchman. Some of us are doing, we're, we're doing, and some of us, not really. And some others, I've, I've never. I've never wept. I've never been so burdened. I, I, I just, I can't. We were talking about that in Sunday school. Moses said to God, I, I, I can't, I can't speak. <laughs> but you can. Because, you see, Jesus declared, all power is given to me both in heaven and in earth. And I am with you always. And then I say, go ye into Jerusalem and into all Judea and into Samaria and into the uttermost part of the world. That's you, brother, sister. That's us and ye. You are here today and you, you may have a very dirty heart, a very stained soul because you've never been washed under the blood. Or you may be here as a born-again saint of God, but you can almost sense the blood on your hands because there have been so many opportunities you would have had and could have had and should have had, and you ignored them. You turned your back to them. You kept your mouth shut. You weren't the witness you should have been. And there were no tears. There were no tears. 
Thanks for listening. This Preaching for a Change broadcast has been brought to you by the Grace Baptist Church of Hazleton, Pennsylvania. For more information, visit us online at mygracebaptist.church. If you enjoyed this broadcast, then share it with a friend on your favorite social media network. And be sure to join us next time for more enlightening and encouraging biblical exposition here on Preaching for a Change.